Fargo Bank on West Hi, I'm Ulysses, and this is Music, Meaning, and Mystery, a podcast for the other musicians. In this episode, my guest is Soraya Azkath. Soraya joins me from the Finger Lakes region of New York in America, specifically from the southern tip of Seneca Lake. He hosts a heavy metal radio show there on WVBR-FM, It's called The Last Exit for the Lost. You can find archives of this show at thelastexit.org. We have a discussion about how he fell into this role, how he managed to unite several communities, and also how this overlaps with his interests in the paranormal and the occult. You'll be able to find a podcast he also hosts on these topics called Where Did the Road Go? You can listen to episodes on wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now let's tune in to the conversation with Soraya Azkath. When did you start uh, your career in radio? 94. So, so maybe a better question is how did you get involved in that racket? Uh, I got involved in it because I loved music and, uh, growing up, you know, I, I got into metal and stuff from listening to metal radio shows around here and didn't think I could ever be in radio without going to college for it. Didn't realize that it was something technically anyone could do. I thought you needed like a degree to get get out of radio station. And I had started a zine for the local area. And uh, because we had like really good music scenes, but they were separated out. They, they kind of stuck to their own cities. And I was like, well, you know, people need to know about these other bands who are not that, you know, cities an hour and a half away or whatever. And so I started the zine that got fairly popular. And uh, this is all pre-internet. In the end, I had given one of the zines to the woman who was doing the metal show at WVBR, and I had dropped a second copy off, and she happened to be there this time. And she goes, hey, this this is really good. And I'm like, oh, cool, thanks. And she's like, do you want my metal show? And I was kind of like, yes, what? You know, like, <laughs> what, what? What's happening right now? But VBR is interesting because it's a train. It's a commercial FM station, but it's also a training station. So Cornell students use it to, to train, to, you know, to go on air and stuff. People like uh, Keith Oberman have graduated from there and gone through VBR and stuff. It also is open to the community. So it just kind of fell into my lap. And it wasn't something I expected. It's something I really wanted. And I was helping friends with other radio shows. But yeah, like June, it was like June. It was actually May of 94 that she offered me the show. So that's, uh, is it a daily, a weekly show or how, how does it work? Every it, it's well, it was every Saturday night from midnight to six. Now it's 1130 to six. Uh, okay, I've okay. missed maybe three weeks in that entire time period. So that's a lot of hours uh, curating and procuring music to an audience. Yeah. I mean, it's the show has changed dramatically over that, what, almost 25 years. So is it, yeah, almost 25 years, 20, 20. Am I getting that wrong? No, it's over 25 years. Yeah, so it's going to be 94. It's going to be almost like it's going to be 30 years almost. Yeah, okay. 
the show has changed drastically and COVID changed it again. I mean, we've gone through three different uh, buildings in that time period Four, if you count the studio I put together during COVID. Yeah. And it just, it evolves in little, little batches here and there. And so the show that I started with is very different than the show I do now. Uh, but music's also a lot different too. I mean, when I started, we would get maybe if we were lucky, 10 new albums a week. And now we pull in over a hundred and there's no slowdown. There used to be a slowdown around Christmas and stuff, but now all these independent bands and independent labels just constantly put new stuff out. So I have to find time because I, I don't want to miss something that's really good, especially if I have never heard of it before. I mean, it's easy to, to, to say, oh, I know who these guys are. You know, it's not a big deal, but there, there's so much stuff out there I've never heard. And I will sample literally everything I get in every week. Wow. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So when you say 12 to 6, is it midnight to 6 or noon to 6? Midnight till 6. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really glad you said that. I mean, obviously, it's... Uh it's appropriate for for the for the type of music you're playing is some sort of like shadow you know nighttime type of thing also the fcc laws are a little less uh strict oh i see okay so if it's between 10 p.m and 6 a.m you can pretty much play whatever you want that's really shedding light on the, the time where i kind of discovered music was a lot more than was on fm radio that was and i discovered that by listening to late night fm radio um, at that time it was cbc a show called brave new waves and uh they would play just everything just off the wall wild stuff uh the post-rock music scene was kind of exploding at that time and i specifically took a graveyard shift where i was working so I could listen to that show, the the midnight to midnight to four a.m. show. Nice. Um, yeah. So there's definitely like something about nighttime uh, radio that it's like it's like you're alone. The DJ is alone, but but somehow you know that that you're not. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a connection there. Mm what you're talking about, like the, the way that you fell into it, it's, I can see kind of your role as a, like kind of a bridge builder between these cities and these, these, these bands. Uh, that's like your radio career is sort of an extension of that, like a, like a networker. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, when we got our latest building, they actually had a flat out performance room. The last building was really small. And so sometimes we get bands to play live, uh, but it was usually acoustic. A couple bands actually did play full out. We actually had a black metal band who set up in the basement and uh, we mic'd them with a boom mic and then had the vocalist upstairs, which made him incredibly uncomfortable to just be sitting upstairs with a video camera pointed at him. But uh, they actually sounded decent. Like, I go back and listen to it going, this has got to sound awful. And I'm like, it doesn't sound awful. It actually sounds okay, you know? The new building had a specific room they wanted to use for performances, so we pushed them to get it set up. Uh, then we started having more and more bands come in and play. And because of that, like a lot of bands, you know, you're starting at midnight and they'd be like, oh, midnight. And so I pushed it back to 1130 and at, at the same time expanded my, my paranormal show, which is on right before it, where the road go. So that used to be 11 to 12. And then last exit, which is the music show, would be 12 to 6. And I moved where the road go to 10 to 1130 because I needed a little more time because it always overran. 
and then extended the last exit a half an hour earlier, which made bands a little more comfortable where they were like, oh, we can we can show up at 1130. That's not so bad. Okay, I was really getting a picture of what's going on here because you have like your, like you say, your paranormal show, which mm-hmm. leads in to the, the metal show. Right. Um, those two things are not two different things, uh, I'm guessing. What do you mean? No, no, they are two different things. Right, I understand that, but they're they're I, I, let's say two sides of the same kind of ah. uh, endeavor, if you if you will. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Because even in your like paranormal show, you say like how it's a show about exploring the fringe. Mm-hmm. So the the metal show is something. It's it's uh you know Both. it's. Yeah, it's sort of like doing the same thing, right? Absolutely. Looking for those bands that you're not going to hear everywhere who are really good. And so, and it's also the, the, the paranormal are experiences that do not conform to consensus reality. And right. um, what you do with your music show is to bring to light which does not conform. Right, <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. You know, when, when they send us big name bands to play i'm just kind of like yeah i'm just gonna skip you because people can hear you anywhere you know Mm -hmm. i don't need to play the new lamb of god record the people who like lamb of god know what they sound like they know the album's coming out they're just gonna go listen to it on youtube or spotify or whatever they don't need to listen to my show to hear that so i'm looking for the stuff that's not getting played elsewhere and especially independent stuff you know because there's especially in this day and age there's so much good independent stuff because you don't need a big budget to write really or to record really quality stuff nowadays. And yeah, with the, with the paranormal, I'm also looking to go deeper than a lot of the shows that were on when I started that show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I would, I would listen to shows and be like, why are you not asking about this? Why aren't you following this path? Why are you just jumping to another completely different question with this guest? And I, and I want to talk to these people. Yeah. You tend to go into a significant amount of, detail you kind of you let yourself get lost in the granular parts uh like you you basically the paranormal show the conceit is that the paranormal exists so let's look at it in details let's see how it works and what happens yeah yeah rather than like being uh uh, you know a a ghost story (laughs) it's like it's yeah 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 there's tons of ghost stories out there and there, there's tons of people out there trying to prove this stuff exists and i'm like no this stuff does exist and, and i say that because we have it under different names obviously but we have it across cultures across time mm-hmm. so people are experiencing something now by saying that i'm not saying bigfoot or ghosts or whatever exist as we as we think they are but something is interacting with people yeah we just don't necessarily understand it any of these uh radio stations late nights uh have you ever had any paranormal experiences in those uh those times paranormal stuff we the first station definitely had some weird vibes to it and you would so it's hard to describe how it was set up so you you would come in the front door which was actually on the second floor you had to go up a staircase and you'd come in the locked door um, and you come into this area that was like the, the waiting area by the office and stuff. But the window right in front of you looked into the main air room and the DJ would be facing out that window, but on the other side of the board. And you'd be there and you'd see people walk in front of that window, except there was no one else there. Mm. 
So that would happen at, at a fairly regular pace. And I never said anything. And then other people would go, I just saw someone walk by the window and I'd just be like, yeah, that happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they'd have to go out and look and there'd be no one around. It would be completely, you know, it's like this giant building, but there, you would know if you'd be able to find someone if they were there. So what do you think drew you to metal in particular? So I grew up hearing country music. That's what my parents liked. Hmm. Eventually, they gave me a radio of my own and flipping around dials. I kind of focused in on classical and opera because I liked the complexity of it. And at some point, I was flipping around the dial and found a rock station out of New York City called Z100. And they this was early 80s. And they'd be playing stuff like the police and sticks and bands like that. And I was like, oh, I like this too. And then one day I heard Motley Crue. Uh, they played stuff off Shout at the Devil and, I, and it just drew me right in. I'm like, what is this? That was kind of the start. I think the next thing I heard was Iron Maiden. And I think with Motley Crue, I liked sort of the punkish elements. I had never really heard punk up to that point. Uh, and with Maiden, I liked the fact that it almost had a classical feel to it like the song structures, but yet it had a lot more oomph behind it. And that's kind of what drew me in. And the more I heard, I, I liked the mystique of it. Um, I liked the rebelliousness of it. I liked the fact that it, it's, I mean, even when sex segments of metal become popular, there's always that, that segment that is uh, against the grain, that is, that is not going to be popular. Like metal as a whole is never going to be popular. Certain styles will be popular. Certain bands will be popular but it always has that sort of outsider feel to it. Not to mention a lot of the uh, occult imagery mm -hmm. and uh, the, the fascination with the unexplained and the paranormal and things like that. So what are some uh, experiences you've had with music that uh, you might classify as paranormal then? The, the one that, that sticks out to me was there was this Potter's Field uh, that I spent a lot of time in. A, a bunch of us did. We built a bench. It overlooked Seneca Lake, but it was a potter's field for a psychiatric institution. I was sitting up there one day, probably waiting for one of my friends, and I started whistling the end of Epitaph from Fate's Warning. It's a very melodic piece that John Arch just kind of, you know, kind of uh, sings. There's no words to it. it, just kind of vocalizes at the end. And it's very, it's always stuck in my head. And I'm sitting there and I'm kind of humming it. And I would pause and the wind would hum it back at me. And I'm sitting there going, okay, that's not real. And then I'd do it again and it would happen again. I'm like, I'm hearing it, but I'm pretty sure that's not real. And I've talked to other people who have had similar experiences. So now I'm kind of like, well, maybe it was real. I, it was really weird though, because it was very, very distinct. So when you say a potter's field, it's, are you, am I understanding correctly? It's like a, like a grave site? Yeah, so a potter's field is an, is, is an area of unmarked graves, usually. Right, okay. That's... Uh, for people who didn't have families or whatever. So these would be the psychiatric patients that didn't have families who right, died right. while they were there, and they would just bury them. Why were you there? <laughs> uh, because a bunch of my friends lived in that town. Okay. And that's where we would go and hang out, because it had this beautiful view overlooking Seneca Lake. And lots of weird stuff happened there, too, not surprisingly. Yeah, of course, yeah. Someone, uh, someone jammed with you a little bit there. Yes. And it was, it, I, I don't think that's ever happened uh, before or after. It was just a very weird, surreal sort of thing. Hmm. And especially with that song, because that song has always struck so strongly with me. Uh, Fate's Warning have always, the early Fate's Warning stuff have always 
giving me a very mystic feel when I listen to him, especially maybe not so much the first record, but the second and third, uh, Awaken the Guardian, The Spectre Within. And The Spectre Within is what is the last song of that album. It's called Epitaph. And uh, I got when I got that CD is also when I got Dimensions from Jacques Vallée. Mm-hmm. as well as Intruders from uh, Bud Hopkins. So I was reading those while I was listening to that CD before I had more music than I knew what to do with. So that connection, especially with Valet, I think that weirdness that Valet is talking about in Dimensions kind of transcribed itself onto the already kind of mystical feel that Fate's Warning had. And I like epic songs and that, that song is like 12 minutes long. I did, I've done a little bit of research about music with this this whole this podcast is an extension of this research project I'm doing about the meaning of music. And one thing, one thing that struck me is uh, a lot of our deep ancestors considered music, a, a, especially the drum, but also just singing and, the, and like the lyrics you say, the telling of a story as a bridge between this world and the other one. One uh, example in particular is that sickness uh, would have been considered some sort of disruption in the soul or a part of a soul that had been lost or stolen. Mm -hmm. And a healer's function would have been to go to the land of the dead to find where that soul is, and sing a song to that soul because the soul cannot find its way home but it will it will recognize a song and follow it home oh interesting so that's how that's how they 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 heal is they sing they sing songs to parts of the soul that's this in particular it's the it's a particular tribe i'm not going to be able to remember the name now the uh the altaians so it's that that would have been like like basically like mongolia russia oh okay yeah so it just strikes me that as a match for that sort of worldview that you would sing a song and that it would be repeated on the wind by the spirits right and and you talk about healing i had had gone to an uh, i don't remember who the headliners were but anthrax and maybe judas priest on the way up i got really really sick like i was sick to my stomach i thought i was going to throw up and i'm like oh my god this is going to be awful and i was riding with other people so i was just kind of like i'm i'm sick this sucks you know i I felt fluish i felt horribly nauseous and we got there and i'm just sitting they had just general admission it was in a big arena and i'm sitting there and i'm just like i feel terrible and then anthrax started and suddenly i'm like yeah i'm feeling a little better I feel like I need to go down front. I'm like, this is probably a really stupid idea. So I went down front, ended up in the mosh pit, felt fine. Like everything just disappeared. Yeah, well, there's definitely this, uh, an area of research that I'm trying to do that uh, that genres of music are, are actually echoes of ancient religious, like, threads if you like or mystery cults and uh, huh. and, and that sort of thing it's, there's there's actually a, a field of study that kind of studies genres as different faiths which which that's going to be a, a, the next area of study i do but um it's it strikes me that like i've never been a, a guy who listens to metal like i once in a while i'll do it uh, mm-hmm. some black metal or uh, i really like sun I don't know if you're supposed to say Sun O or whatever. 
I think it's just sun. Everyone says so. sun O, but I've been corrected to say it's just sun. I think so too. Yeah. And, but, but uh, it's not really something I, that I listen to on typically for, for my, as music to listen to in a, in a car or at home or whatever. Right. But I, I did, uh, I like the band Melt Banana. Oh yeah. And um, they right? came, sorry. They were Japanese, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't know if they're still playing or what, but um, a few years ago, they came to Vancouver as part of this lineup that had uh, the Melvins, which I knew a little bit about, but I was going for Melt Banana, but there was like the Melvins and closing out with Napalm Death uh, <laughs> that, that I'd never heard. I didn't had no idea who Napalm Death was. So I, I listened to Melt Banana's great concert, Melvins, uh, it, it sounded great. And then the whole floor it was in in a club uh the whole place cleared out and i'm like oh, i guess people don't like napalm death here so like this is a perfect opportunity for me to be able to be up front and be able to listen to to see the band play because i find that fascinating as a musician too right. and um me and my buddy john went up front and then i was like this is so weird everybody's clearing out and i i look back but it was like dark, so I couldn't quite see. But then when my eyes adjusted, it's like people didn't clear out. They were forming a circle, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But with me, I'm not familiar with this, right? And then I realize all of a sudden, like, I'm not getting out of this thing, <laughs> right? And uh, so this is my first experience with the mosh pits. And, uh, you know, I'm in my 40s here. So I decided my tactic would be like, I would just hold my spot at the front because I didn't want to lose my spot, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was, I think it was the best concert experience I've ever had. Cool. Yeah. And uh, just that, that uh, there's something about that. There's, it's like controlled chaos. Yes. There's something about that that's so, like you said, healing. Yes. It feels, I don't know what it is, but it feels great. And I had like, uh, I, f I felt like bonded to the people around me. And uh, I, I guess I lucked out because Napalm Death has really good fans, apparently. And uh, yes. the guys in the band are cool. And yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're kind, of, kind of just presenting you with a wall of noise. Mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of a soothing wall of noise at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and it's crazy, this drummer... Uh, plays like crazy fast but like very very it's almost like he barely hits the drums it's, he's not like he doesn't hit him hard he just a thousand beats a second you know <laughs> yeah it's cool what are some of your uh your better uh concert experiences you've had the one that always sticks out sticks out for a lot of people in this area was uh creator were headlining and, and morgoth and biohazard were opening and it was in this place that had two stages. So it had this big stage uh, with a lot of, you know, open space. Like it was like a warehouse. And then it had the small stage in by the bar. And it was just this tiny little stage in the corner. So Morgoth played the main stage uh, and opened the show. And at some point, apparently they ran out of time and either tried to keep going or nobody told them. And so they're, I mean, they're, they're a uh, European death metal band. And so they're going and all of a sudden their sound just cuts and the drummer keeps going because he can't hear that everyone else just stopped. And then he's like looking around and everyone's just kind of looking at him and he slows down and just kind of stops. <laughs> he's like, all right, all right. 
So that was fairly amusing. And then Biohazard, who I'm not a huge fan of, hardcore band from New York City, they put on an incredible show off that little stage. They were surfing across, the band members were surfing across the crowd. They had this big circular bar. I think it was the guitar player jumped on the bar and was running around the bar playing and stuff. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. It was like, like you're saying, controlled chaos. Mm. And uh, Creator, I'm, Creator is one of my favorite bands. So, I mean, seeing, I've seen them a bunch of times and they're always just a phenomenal thrash band. And uh, like Daypalm Death, have tons of really good fans behind them. So it was just a really good, energetic show. Um, seeing Zeal and Ardor a couple of years ago was really intense. There and Zeonard is one of those bands that, that also, I mean, they have a very uh, occult sort of leaning in all their lyrics and music. Also, a couple of years ago, Unleashed the Archers, I saw with Stryker and um, Helium Prime and a couple of local bands, and all five bands were phenomenal. Actually, Unleashed the Archers, I think, are from your area, and I liked them, but then I saw them live and they absolutely blew me away. Uh, stage presence, performance, everything was just so spot on. And I only found out recently that someone actually recorded the show and put it up and I went back and watched it. I'm like, yep, it's not as good as being there, but man, it's, it's a great show. Yeah. There's nothing like live music, especially like small, smaller venues. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I actually don't listen to that much music, but uh, sign me up for a live experience any day of the week, man. Like, I, yeah, it's uh, there, there's a lot of music. Like, like I said, I actually don't frequently listen to metal, but I love to go to metal concerts. You know, I've seen Yob live. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yob's good. Swans. Swans is a really good show. Yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's <is> pretty loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and very, very intense. And again, it's, uh, yeah, like you, you're, you said that it's soothing, but there's something strange about this sort of abrasiveness that, that is soothing. For swans, it's actually, it's not soothing. It's very, very tense. They yes. build up the tension and they keep it there. But at the end of the show, me and my buddy, we walked out and we just were just started laughing. <laughs> Right. And just because we had this big release of, of energy. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Again, so, something healing about having going into the I kind of see it a little bit like a shadow work sort of thing. Um, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Because uh, it's uh, it's a bit of a dangerous environment. I mean, people are inebriated. They're strangers. It's semi violent. I mean, <laughs> but there's something good, something uh, redeemable about those sorts of experiences. I, I find very uh, enriching. Well, what Exodus called it was good, friendly, violent fun. <laughs> yeah. Because by and large, no one's trying to hurt each other. Yeah. And people yeah. tend to watch out for one another. Exactly. I found that in the, in the mosh pit. Uh, if yeah. it's uh, somebody fell down, it, people would push other people out of the way and help them up and yeah, um, yep. you know, I, I remember being at a Slayer show and a bunch of people just, I mean, it was really packed in, even though it was a big, big place. And I'm down in the pit and this uh, someone knocked me over, but someone had fallen right before me. And I basically leg dropped him when I fell. So my the crook of my knee, back of my knee is across his face. Mm. And then people started falling on me. 
and I'm trying to just lift my leg up because he's like struggling under my leg. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to kill this guy. I got to get my leg up. And eventually people, you know, started stopping falling and then started helping each other up. And finally I got my leg off of him. And he just set up going, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I bet you, you, you know, you, cause you shared a little moment with the guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, obviously, you know, he wasn't, up, he was just thankful that he was able to get up. You know, I mean, people generally, you know, they're not, they're not looking to hurt each other. And if someone does, if someone's out there and actually starts hurting people, they're usually taken out pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the people people are there for the music. They want to enjoy themselves. And every once in a while, you get some a-hole who, you know, thinks he's better than everyone else or doesn't even like the music and he's just there to start a fight. And they don't last long. So you find a pretty strong sense of community in the, in the metal scene? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And uh, the thing with shows, too, like I said, everyone's there for the music. It create, Generally, good shows create such a fantastic energy. Uh, it's like nothing else I've been to. There was a study done uh, not too long ago showing that people who listen to metal tended to be more well-adjusted in society later on. And their suspicion was because they're not, you know, they're, they're embracing these darker themes, these shadow themes and stuff. It made them a little more balanced when dealing with real life mm -hmm. and a little more prepared. What is it that Carl Jung said? Uh... Uh, the tallest, most glorious tree has roots that reach down to hell. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Yeah. And cool. I mean, to me, if I'm really depressed, I'll put on something really dark and it tends to make me feel better. Um, and if I hit the right music, sometimes I can't figure Sometimes I'll be going, I need to listen to something and I'll be going through going, no, not that, not that, not that. And finally I'll find something. I'll be like, I think it's this. And I'll put it in and be like, 10 minutes later, all right, I'm feeling a little better. Okay. Hmm. It has such an impact on our consciousness. I mean, music is hardwired into our brains. Yeah, that's, that's what I've found. Uh, I think, I think music is fundamental. Yes. Yeah. And I think what type of music you like depends kind of just on your personality. I mean, if you know, the, the people who are just kind of who say, well, I'll listen to anything are also the people who are just kind of going along with life most of the time, you know, they're, they're, they're fine with whatever they're just, and they'll listen to whatever because it doesn't really move them. It's like, they don't dislike it, but they're not being moved by it. And maybe it's because they've never heard something that moves them, which is the other thing, you know, like on radio, on movies, on television, it's so curated uh, to just be what they want to sell. And there's all this other music out there that most people have never heard. Yeah. Well, that's where you come in. Right. Hopefully. Yeah. I've had people call me up and say, you know, I didn't know I liked metal until I listened to your show. Interesting. You're talking about like your music curator. So you, and you're sort of trying to find the right medicine if you're not feeling good. So you're, you're picking and choosing, you know, trial and error. There's something of an invocation there because it creates, when you listen to that music, it creates an emotion which wasn't there before you listen to the music. So where's that emotion coming from, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, um, and, and also like, you know, if you're depressed or you're listening to something dark, it's kind of, it's, it's sort of resonating with you. Good choice of words, resonating. And I find that there are certain bands that I, I very much like to meditate to because they enhance my meditation. Mm. Yeah, tell me more about that. Tell me how you pair your meditation practice with your music practice. 
well i mean mostly it's it's bands that have sort of a psychedelic element to them like feels like uh, elysium from fields of the nephilim has a very strong pink floyd vibe it's very psychedelic but also very uh occultic and stuff and it's an album i know super well so i can put it on and it's it's important that I get it right at the right volume level and it will completely let me just kind of do whatever I need to do meditation wise. They have a song called Psychonaut that he wrote with a lot of ritualistic elements to it. And it's about 10 minutes long. And if I use that, I tend to feel super energized. Hmm. There's a, a long song from the gathering called the black light district. That's also, it's very droney and very psychedelic. It's, so stuff like that, totally puts my mind in the right state to meditate and focus on whatever I need to focus on. When you meditate, do you focus on just certain problems in your life you're trying to solve? Or is it visuals? Or are you just trying to clear your mind? Or It could be all of the above. It depends. And the music serves as a sort of uh, soundtrack for what you're trying to do. That's, that's a great way of putting it. Hmm. But it can't be something that that is going to draw my attention. You know what I mean? Right. Like it has to be something that I know well enough and it can kind of float into the background a little bit. I do this practice as well. I use ambient music, but yeah. specifically, it specifically has to be ambient music from artists on the cryo chamber label. label. Oh, okay. I don't know if you know them. They're, I think they're scandinavian label and it's dark ambient it's sort of like the metal equivalent of ambient music and for some reason that hits the right spot because like you said it it's it can be rich and complex without me having to pay attention to it basically right yeah and and it can help fix your mood into what you want it to be yeah yeah it makes the room feel ancient yes <laughs> you recognize that sensation Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, a lot of imagery in metal, because, you know, so many people in metal are into this stuff, you know, into the occult, into fantasy stuff. I mean, yeah, th that imagery is just throughout it. And with metal, I also think it's one of the few genres of music that has consistently expanded and changed. You know, it's because most music is what it is, you know, it says it's this and that's what you get. And sometimes it kind of dies down or comes back a little bit, but it doesn't change. It doesn't evolve. Uh, metal is one of the few things that seems to actually evolve hmm. because the stuff that's out now doesn't sound anything like 20 years ago, but it's all still metal. And it's, it's, you know, changed in the way stuff is composed, the, you know, everything, uh, style of it, uh, the instrumentation, everything changes. So do you have a technique for identifying the outer edges of, of genres or is no. it by feel or? I, I don't care what genre it is. It's, it's either good or it's not. And even so, like when I'm doing the show, it's like, oh, this is good, but it sounds like everything else. So I'm not going to worry about this because, you know, it may be a six and a half hour show, but that goes by real fast when you get that much music every week. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of looking for the cream of the crop, you know, like, oh, this is interesting and doesn't sound like other things already. What I'm trying to get at is, uh, like, what makes a genre? Is it, it's, it's, it's not a category. It's like a spectrum. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A good way of putting it. Yeah. And you think like black metal. So the term black metal originated with bands like Merciful Fate and Venom and uh, Venom, I think of the one, yeah, Venom is the one that had the album black metal. So that's kind of where it came from. But originally it was bands like that. So it was bands that had a satanic overtone to their lyrics that was black metal. But by the mid 90s, black metal had evolved to a sound 
and that sound did not include bands like Venom and Merciful Fate. And that's the, the irony of it. And then eventually you had even like uh, Christian black metal bands. And it's like, okay, we've evolved again. Now now it has nothing to do with Satan. Although most, not, I wouldn't say most, a lot of black metal bands still have that satanic element to them because they're black metal. But so many of them have been like, well, we don't need to do that. And it's still black metal because this is the black metal sound that sort of dissonant sort of sort of vibe that black metal has. But to people today, you know, who, who don't necessarily know the history of black metal, but know they like black metal. If you play the merciful fate, they'll be like, this isn't black metal. So this podcast has a traditional closing question. Mm-hmm. What should people listen to? Oh, man, there's so much. Um, I, think zeal and ardor are one of the more interesting new bands out there uh sound like nothing else i've heard uh if you like really complex epic stuff neobloviscaris is definitely worth a listen they're up there as one of my favorites um hmm i mean fate's warning fate's warning are, are definitely there i've talked enough about them tonight yeah, I don't know. You you could just listen to my show, The Last Exit for the Lost. And you'll hear a whole variety of things. There you go. That's what tr- people should listen to. And it's, you know, it's uh, I have shows archived on the page all the way back to 1996. Cool. That'll all be uh, linked in the show notes, obviously. Great resource for uh, people interested in, in metal. And also, I'll I'll personally recommend they should listen to your other show uh where did the road go good podcast very interesting stuff yeah and that's been at least one episode a week since i started never missed a week on that one either we're a beast raya <laughs> thanks a lot for having this conversation with me it was fun yes it was thank you very much for inviting me you got it good friendly violent fun I have a little bit of experience with martial arts and my stress levels and anxiety have never been so low than when pursuing the art of punching people in the face. There is something about the shadow that calls us to be tamed. That aligns well with what Soraya mentioned about a study that shows that people who actively pursue uh, heavy metal tend to be better adjusted individuals just like a day has a night so does every shining beautiful human being have its shadow i think we ignore that part of ourselves at peril so carry a lantern and go in the dark